I must be one, that cannot win, yet lost were I not one, for beauty hath created been, tundu or be undone. Hey guys and ghouls, I'm Katie Toole. And I'm Sean Reedy. This is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about familiar faces, bad marriages, and really great acoustics. Great acoustics. Oh. So good. <laughs> Tonight we will be discussing Alex Garland's Men. Mm-hmm. From 2022, just came out this year on May 20th, I believe. I'm going to roll with that. Sure. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. My dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday. Like four months ago. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't seen it, go watch it because this is going to be extremely spoilery. Oh, yeah. 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 Filled with spoilers. This is not a mini-sode. This is a full Yep. This is not a review. This is a full episode. So you will learn all the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing you will learn is that the scene in which she is in the tunnel singing and it's echoing back at her is not how echoes work. No, it's not. Which I felt in my soul when I was watching it, but confirm later by Googling. <laughs> like, would it echo like that? It would not, in fact. Well, I mean, like, to be fair, mm-hmm. there are other things that are that happen in this movie that are far crazier and... and... Listen, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> that's where my suspension of disbelief ends. No, actually, where they actually lost me was the kid. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> they didn't lose you at back vaginas? Uh, the kid happened before back to vaginas? That's, that's, that's true. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> All right. I was already lost. <laughs> <laughs> men is a... I know we said this in the review, but men is a, a complex, high concept. Mm-hmm. Shall I say brilliantly shot and superbly acted oh absolutely mess yep (laughs) (laughs) that is almost a parody of itself it is so like it is so just like balls deep Mm -hmm. apt analogy in the like elevated horror tropes Mm -hmm. that it just halfway through i just started laughing at it it's like what are you guys doing but (laughs) Great acting. Oh. Great acting. Absolutely. Uh, by Jessie Buckley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might remember her from I'm Thinking of Ending Things mm-hmm. or The Lost Daughter, uh, who plays Harper Marlowe. And Rory Kinner, or Kinnear, don't really know. Yeah. Sorry, Rory. Um, who plays everyone else. <laughs> right. There's there is a total of I think seven actors maybe in this if that. in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's seven including the person who plays the body of the kid. Of the child, yes. Yeah. Which I mean, okay, we'll get to the child. <laughs> Bad CGI could have been one of the abouts as well. Oh yeah. The CGI is not great. 
No, it's not. Which is unfortunate because the cinematography is beautiful. Oh, absolutely. And then and then you get to the CGI and it's like, ooh. So mm, close. Ooh. So ah. close. You tried it. It's okay. <laughs> you tried. You tried. Well, and and this is a this is a big movie for Alex Garland. Like Oh I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean cuz he's done, you know, well, the, I guess Ex Machina and Annihilation? Yeah. And he did 28 Days Later. He, he, he wrote, wrote it. it. Yeah, he did write it. And 28 Days Later is is a favorite of mine. Like, yes. just beautifully done. And it's not like, this is beautifully written. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not the story right. that makes it a parody of itself. It's right. the... Um, the visual execution. The production choices. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I almost forgot. Right. Rory Kinner. If Rory, if Rory Kinner... Looks, I'm just continuing to say his name wrong over and over and over. Um, looks familiar to you, as he did to me, and it was driving me insane. If you watched the absolutely incredible Showtime show, Penny Dreadful, he played John Clare, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. And he was, I mean, in a show full of phenomenal performances, he was phenomenal. Like, above and and beyond he and billy piper were both just like unreal and for anyone anyone that's a 007 fan out there he also played uh bill tanner in the latest two oh uh, that's 007 right films. that so. is right that is also true i recognized him more from the um from penny dreadful i think because he has a similar hairstyle as the vicar right so it's like, it's specifically when I saw him with that hairstyle where I was like, who is that? And then I hit him. <laughs> um, he is also apparently on the new gay pirate show, Our Flag Means Death. Oh. Which I didn't know because I haven't watched that. But I haven't watched it either and I've heard it's amazing. I've heard very good things. And he's apparently in that as well. Uh, but we will talk more about his performance and perhaps learn how to say his last name. But first... <laughs> It is Shock Tale Hour. Tonight's Shock Tale is called the Sheila Nangi. Yum yum. <laughs> Named after the fertility goddess. Mm-hmm. Well, not so much a fertility goddess as like a um, architectural mot- motif, mm-hmm. right? Like it's kind of an architectural motif without any kind of like concrete basis huh get it concrete (laughs) (laughs) but a a motif from medieval architecture that was clearly a allusion to fertility right because it was a woman with an exaggerated genitalia usually being held like wide open yep the ingredients of the Shilanangi are an ounce of rye whiskey, an ounce of Pim's number one liqueur, because this is one of the most British movies I've ever seen, so we gotta have Pim's. <laughs> Three quarters of an ounce lime juice, freshly squeezed would be best, half an ounce of grenadine, quarter ounce ginger syrup, an egg white, and club soda to top. And if you wanted to get real fancy, go ahead and garnish that with a few pomegranate seeds. Ooh. It'd be yummy, yummy. A, because pomegranates are themselves a symbol of fertility. Yes. And B, because grenadine is actually pomegranate flavored. 
Grenadine is the French word for pomegranate. Did I just blow your mind? You just blew my mind. It's not cherry. <laughs> I have thought up until this exact moment that it was cherry. You know what? Live on the Which... air, I'm going to Google that to make sure I'm right. <laughs> I mean, it honestly, it does make sense. It doesn't really taste like cherry necessarily, I guess. Mm-hmm. I am correct. <laughs> <laughs> and Joffrey actually mentions pomegranates at one point, right? He does. And, yes. and that is because right. they're a fertility symbol, right? So... Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, this drink will be red because here on Friday Night Frights, we love a red drink. That we do. And because this film is very red. This film is red and green. It is a Christmas colored film. It... This is the most Christmas looking non Christmas movie I've ever seen. I agree. Like, it's not even winter. It's not winter. It's, it's no, supposed it's, to be like it, spring. Yeah. It's beautiful outside. It was a little rainy. Grass is beautiful, lush green. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is red. Yep. So like we said, uh, Jesse Buckley plays Harper Marlowe. Harper Marlowe, uh, we meet in the very first scene of the movie when she is watching her husband fall to his death yep. from uh, her apartment window. Mm-hmm. Throughout the film, you learn more about how that came to happen, but you see him falling first. And it takes everything in me not to make an it's raining men joke. It's raining, man. <laughs> I didn't understand what you had said at first. Oh, I said it very fast. <laughs> I don't think that's enough to get sued. I'm leaving it in. So she sees her husband die, mm-hmm. which is, of course, very traumatic for her. And she does what people in horror movies always seem to do. That is, rent a remote country home in which to process her trauma. Right. Logic. I mean, sure. Isolating yourself, best way to handle grief. I mean, let me say, <laughs> she made a great choice for this house, at least. I mean, the house is unbelievable. Oh. Like, if this is a real house that you can actually go to, I propose a Friday Night Frights field trip. I'm not mad at this idea. Because it is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Well, and even, she even acknowledges it in the film. Like, she's like, I think I... May have overdone it a little right. bit <laughs> with this with this house. And splashed out a little too much, yeah. which is like again very British. Yes. Uh, it's just, ugh. it is such an old house with a lot of really beautiful updates that have been done to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the setting of this movie is one of my favorite parts of it. Oh yeah, for sure. It is just so beautiful. When she arrives, she meets the owner, uh, Joffrey. She's getting very British. And he is. He is like this sort of bumbling professorial. <laughs> Jesus. Um, middle-aged man who makes a lot of like silly jokes and puns, right? And is just generally extremely awkward. Oh, very much so. And asks her, which is a very awkward thing to do, where her husband is. Yeah. Because she happened to put Mrs. down on her registration. And so instead of minding his own business <laughs> and not commenting on that, the fact that she's there alone, despite being a missus, uh, he asks. And she does not tell him two things, actually. She doesn't tell him about her husband. She also doesn't tell him that she plays the piano. Oh, yeah. Which I think is a really 
brilliant little detail Mm -hmm. because she just wants the conversation to be over as quickly as possible right and i think she's afraid that if she says yes i do play the piano he'll be like oh play us a song then right right like oh absolutely so it's it's very much like uh it it is very much like a a woman interacting with a man who she doesn't really know very well and Mm -hmm. just trying to be like as shut off and like non-personal as possible right so that he goes away Which finally he does leave. <laughs> he does finally leave. Takes a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she gets settled in. Mm-hmm. She then, the next day, goes on this glorious walk through the woods, which is the reason that she went. Right. Right. Uh, I guess we don't know exactly. I guess we don't know it's the next day. Sometime later. Goes on <laughs> this walk in the woods mm-hmm. uh, and finds the old railway line, including the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the aforementioned great acoustics happen that are not real. But it's a great scene. It's like beautifully shot. And I just keep saying beautifully shot. But it was beautifully shot. The whole thing was. Uh, she sort of is singing in the... She's sort of singing in the tunnel and she's just sort of marveling at nature. She's really quite happy. Mm-hmm. And then she sees a figure at the other end of the tunnel... That looks from that far away to be a man. Mm-hmm. That starts jogging in her direction. Yep. And making a very strange noise. Mm-hmm. Like, almost like he's barking. It's like, Roo! and it's like, that would just be deeply unsettling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For anybody. So she turns around and she starts just sort of like, at first, just kind of walking quickly because maybe it's just a guy who's out jogging, like, right? And then eventually she gets sort of more and more freaked out because she can hear him still behind her. And then she gets to, and she gets kind of lost, right? Because of course she does. You have to get lost in the forest. It's a horror movie. (laughs) Of course, because she has no idea where she is. Right. It's a horror movie. And you're in a forest, you're going to get lost. Mm -hmm. You just got it. It's got to happen. Um, but eventually finds her way sort of the very long way back toward the house and is walking across a field, turns around and sees a completely nude man standing in that field. Yep. Who is also like bald and just sort of like staring off in this like sort of very like planted pose, right? Yeah. Which I think is probably intentional because of what he becomes, right? right. But he's like, he's very like, he looks like a tree. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like she doesn't even notice him at first. And then she's like... What the fuck? She like takes a picture. Yeah, because she's taking a picture of the house. Right. She's the like, there. Yeah. yeah, there's like a barn or something, some structure. And, and mm-hmm. she's taking a picture of it. And then she realizes her name, Naked Man, in the mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay. And she turns around. It's been a very weird day. Uh, and so <laughs> she goes home and she does what any woman in a horror movie who's had a weird day does. Mm-hmm. She takes a bath. Just all the, like, clearing away the creepies, there's nothing better. Oh, yeah. Than a nice big... I mean, it is a beautiful bathtub. Yeah, it is. Nice, like, old cloth tub. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. And she also, um, she ends up calling her friend Riley. Riley, yes, who we've mm-hmm. actually already met. She yes. does call Riley. She's the one who she's talking to when she says that she splashed out too much. So she actually right. calls Riley as soon as... She arrives, which like right. tells you how close they are, right? Mm-hmm. It's like her, it's like her person. Right. Um, yeah, she ends up calling her friend Riley. 
Or is it the next morning that she calls Riley? I think it's right when she gets there because then the next day is when she does the tour. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. After. But after the bathtub. Yes. Okay. Yep. So the next morning, she's sort of working in this very old-fashioned dress, too. Like, the way she's dressed is very interesting. It's like she looks like sort of very modern, normal clothing. And Mm -hmm. then, like, her clothing gets more old-fashioned the longer she's there. Yes. Which is interesting. Mm -hmm. She does eventually, the next morning while she's working, after we see her playing the piano, like, Mm -hmm. perfectly, which tells you that she was lying to Joffrey about being able to. uh, She is giving her friend Riley, like, a FaceTime tour of the house, Mm -hmm. right? And looks outside in the garden, and there is that same naked man eating from the apple tree that's in the garden. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should mention that. There's an apple tree in the garden because this movie is just like determined to punch you in the face with the symbolism. <laughs> like she walks into this she walks into this yard and the first thing she does is plucks an apple from a tree and takes a bite out of it. And it's and, like, okay, okay. And then when she's talking to Joffrey about it a little bit, he's like, oh no. Oh, forbidden fruit. Forbidden fruit. No, no. He's, do but he's joking because he's awkward. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, another another thing to mention too, like the basically the whole time that um, she's talking to Riley, like and, and she gets progressively more and more forward about it. She's like, I can come, I can come hang out with you. We can have a good time together. Right. Yeah. Riley is not particularly keen on her being alone. Right. Out there by herself. Mm-hmm. Um. Right, and and eventually is insistent because again. You need the concerned friend who comes to check on you at the haunted house. Um, Anyway, where were we? Oh, he's in the garden. So, of course, freaking her friend out entirely. She's like, "Um, there's somebody in the yard. I have to go. I have to call the police. And she was like, "Um, excuse me, what the fuck? And then she hangs up on her. Um, She calls the police. The police come. They arrest him. Mm -hmm. Right? And... She is being spoken to by, of course, a female police officer, because that's always procedure, right? Mm-hmm. That is like a woman is sort of accosted by a man. You send in the female police officer, right? And she's talking. She's like, honestly, I think he's harmless. Like, he doesn't... He smells like he hasn't had a bath in in days. I think he just saw the apple tree, and he was hungry, and he's, like, strung out on something. And Harper is like... I would think that too, except I'm pretty sure I saw him yesterday. So I think he followed me out of the woods and followed me here. And the female police officer is like, well, okay, you know, and she like writes that down, you know, let's, let's take that. We're going to take him away. And, you know, she makes a joke about not looking forward to having him in the patrol car because he stinks and, you know, he's naked and he's naked, stinky and naked, possible for like messes to be made. Not Mm -hmm. a good day. Um, but so she kind of puts it out of her mind at that point. She's just like, okay, that's a weird thing that happened, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just this homeless guy who's, who's strung out and he wandered into the yard. It's no big deal. Right. The next day she goes for another walk, mm-hmm. uh, and finds the local church in which there is a baptismal bearing the Sheila Nagi mm-hmm. on one side. And the green man on the other. Mm-hmm. Now, the green man is a specifically British pre-Christian symbol for 
like a fertility god that right. existed before Christianity mm-hmm. in in that area, right? And it's while she's in the church that we learn more about her husband's death, mm-hmm. right? So we had already, again, we had already seen him falling. Right. And we had seen a scene in which she was telling him that she was leaving him. Mm-hmm. In the church, we see that, like, not only was he being emotionally manipulative to her um, by threatening to kill himself mm-hmm. if she left him, but that he actually got physical. He's throwing things around the apartment, and he actually does hit her and knock her down. Yeah. And this is something that he had never... He'd never gone that far before, right? Right. I mean, we all know that the most dangerous time for a person in a abusive relationship is when they try to leave. Right? Yeah. And uh, she's like, she flips out on him. She pushes him out the door. She's like, you know, if there was any chance that we could make this work, it's gone now. Like, you will never see me again. Mm-hmm. At which point she locks him out and a few minutes later sees him falling. Right. Right. Um, and so she's sitting in the church just sort of like screaming her pain. Mm-hmm. Quite literally. And you see the vicar, which is a British priest, if you didn't know, who's sort of like, who's screaming in my church? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> sort of peeks around and he's like, okay, makes note of it, walks away. She walks out of the churchyard and encounters a child, ostensibly. <laughs> Okay, so one thing that is kind of cool about this movie and about the way they did it mm-hmm. is that for the first two-thirds of it, there is absolutely no way for you to know if she's imagining all this shit or not. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like, does that kid actually look like that? Or is she just, you know, seeing threats everywhere? Right. Like, you know the naked guy exists because the cops were there. Right. Right? But, do, like, does the kid exist? Does the priest exist? You honestly, you don't know. Because no sure. one else has seen them. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and I mean, by the end of it, it's clear that there's some kind of supernatural something going on. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, well, something's happening. This isn't normal. Um, so she encounters ostensibly a child, and what they have done is that they have CGI'd some combination of Rory Kinner's face and maybe the child's face? Maybe. Onto the child's face. Yes. And this is where they started to lose me because there is not a child in creation who looks like that. Like, and when you see him standing up later, it's clear this is supposed to be like a nine-year-old boy. Mm. And he just, it just looks bad. It's just not good. Like, they should have just used a kid. (laughs) Like... Yeah, get get some sort of kid that looks like him, but like right, yeah, like just yeah, just look, get a kid who looks like he could be his child, or looks like he did when he was a child, right. you know. But but yeah, the whole the CGIing the adult face onto the child's body just created this sort of like unca- uncanny valley doll effect that like didn't really go with the tone of the rest of the film. Right, and I get the purpose of it. Like I know that he's playing literally every other man that's in the movie. Right, I get it, and they wanted. And I get why they wanted one of them to be a child, because it's like, 
how early the sort of um, toxic masculinity sort of starts to warp Mm -hmm. the minds of men like this. You know what I mean? Like that he's already overstepping his bounds and he's already, you know, kind of a little prick. Right. Well, and, and each of these men seem to be a characteristic of her husband. True, right. So maybe mm-hmm. he's sort of like the the sort of childish, because like it's clear that her husband was very sort of prone to throwing tantrums and yes. or just like being whiny, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so maybe he's supposed to be like the childish version of it. Um, but he asked her to play a game, mm-hmm. and she says, you know, not right now. I'm not really feeling very well and i'm i'm just gonna be on my way and he kind of starts harassing her like no we're gonna play a game like you can hide there's no reason you can't play hide and seek with me right now and the vicar walks up and he and the boy have an exchange (laughs) (laughs) i was like well (laughs) the boy's like why don't you fuck off and the vicar's like, you first. It's like, <laughs> okay then. Like, well, that just happened. All right. Um, at which point, the vicar offers counsel, right? Mm-hmm. Being a man of the cloth, kind of his job. He saw this woman, like, not crying, screaming oh, yeah. in the church. Like, just the beyond, like, keening mm-hmm. in the church. So he offers counsel. Can I just say, too, I, mm-hmm. and I think that they did this, if I'm remembering correctly, I think they did the same thing in Hereditary. Mm. But the, where they do, where they mix together the, uh, an, an, some sort of audio, like some sort of note, mm-hmm. and her scream. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. just perfectly mm-hmm. are in balance with each other, mm-hmm. like, and, and mold together mm-hmm. i i'm almost positive it was hereditary if i'm remember, remembering correctly which of course is another a24 film right. oh yeah i mean we should say this this is an a24 film yes um which you can just tell i feel like i feel like any any a24 film that i've ever seen is always just they're always just so stunning yeah with their cinematography and this is not this is just a continuation of that right no exception um but yeah, it's just, I, I really enjoyed that little blip of them. Mm-hmm. It was just very satisfying. Right. Well, it's funny that like two of the sort of major set pieces of her character is the the singing in the tunnel and then that scream because she's a singer. Right. Right. Like she is, she's, she's a, you know, she's a stage actor primarily mm-hmm. in like musicals. Right. Right. So, um, but yeah, it is cool. Mm-hmm. It is cool. And it and it's startling because it's just like, it cuts to it very abruptly and you're like, yes. she's screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so she offers counsel. No, he offers counsel to her. <laughs> messing up the pronouns. And, uh, and so she tells him the whole story. And this is the first time that we learn exactly how the husband came to fall, mm-hmm. right? And that is that he pushed his way into the apartment above hers and then either tried to climb down to their balcony to get back into their apartment mm-hmm. or jumped. Right. And we can talk more about that later. But that's what, and she's like, I honestly don't know which it is. 
And the vicar at first is very sort of understanding and he's saying all the right things. He's like, you know, I can understand how complicated these feelings were because he was hurting you Mm -hmm. and you wanted him gone, but you didn't want him gone this way. And I can imagine that there's some guilt. And she does admit that there's some guilt because of course, right? Of course there is. Of course there is. Um, But it is at this point that he takes a hard left turn. Yep. And he's like, so why do you think you drove him to do it? And she's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Pretty much verbatim. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and he's like, you know, you drove. I mean, did you give him a chance to apologize after he hit you? I mean, sometimes men hit women. It's not a capital crime. Like, he didn't deserve to die for it. And she's just like, fuck off. Yeah. And she walks away. And then they do a real tight shot on his face while he's putting on chapstick, which is somehow the creepiest thing that happens in the entire movie. Well, (laughs) and I think, oh God, it was so, because there's a little piece of the chapstick that like stuck to his lip and they licked it off. I know. It's like, whose idea was that? Because it's brilliant. Like it just drives home that he, it's just so disgusting. Like it just drives home that this man is disgusting. Yep. And I don't even know why. Like chapstick's normal. Chapstick is normal, but it's just the way that he did it was just... The way that he did it was so creepy. The, the like, the sort of, like, casualness of doing that after he just, like, you know... Completely, like, insulted the fuck out of this woman. Right. Like, completely against, like, his calling, right? It's like, that's not what you're... You're not supposed to make people feel worse. (laughs) That's not what you're about here, friend. Yes. So she's had another weird day. Mm Mm-hmm. And she goes home and she calls her friend Riley and she's like, this place is fucking weird, man. Had another weird ass day. Oh, that's oh right. we forgot about the bar. Yeah. I was like, wait, there's the bar. Sorry. Rewind. So after that, she's like, I need a fucking drink. Reasonable and goes so. to the pub mm-hmm. where she runs into Joffrey. Yes. Who has thus far been the only nice man she's encountered. Keywords thus far. Oh, and in between, like, while she's in, in the sort of, like, um, transition shot between her leaving the churchyard and her arriving at the pub, mm-hmm. we see that naked man. Oh, yeah, stalking her in, in amongst the trees. Stalking her or, amongst the trees. Wasn't it a... But he's also, like, he's sitting in, like, a, a crypt or something. Yeah. And he is actually, oh, yes. he is self-harming. He mm-hmm. is cutting himself and mm-hmm. then sticking leaves into the cuts. Yes. And it, you know, it's at that point that it's, he's like he's clearly trying to transform himself into the green man, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but she gets to the bar, and the bar is full of men. Of course, mm-hmm. she's again like the only woman in the room, and they all sort of yes, they're all characteristics of her husband, mm-hmm. but they're all kind of also just like stereotypes. Oh, absolutely! Right, like you have the two sort of like pub bums in the corner right right and like one of them looks all surly and he's like leering at her yes right and joffrey's there with his crossword he's mm-hmm. like pomegranate <laughs> <laughs> i kind of loved joffrey and that was the thing i was like i loved joffrey but also i knew as soon as he was on the screen that he was going to end up yeah being a baddie like mm-hmm. there's no way this guy is just this guy like no not with the theme of this film right like no way in hell <laughs> but up until then it's kind of great <laughs> and, uh, you know, she hadn't told him about the man in the garden, right? She had just taken care of it herself. Mm-hmm. But the male policeman 
that had arrested the man came in. Yes. And, oh, we should say one thing. So there are so many little brilliant moments of, like, intrusion in this. Like, mm-hmm. before the vicar turns into a complete and total dick, he puts his hand on her knee. Yes. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to do with someone you just met. Mm-hmm. And then also, Joffrey, again, thus far the nicest man she's met, insists on buying her a drink. Oh, yeah. Like, so, absolutely will not let her pay for her own drink. Yep. Demands the bar the barkeep to say, like, not... He's like, her money's are good here. And the barkeep listens listens to him and not to her. Yep. Right? Like, where he, he you know, she's like, no, I'm going to pay for my own drink. And the barkeep defers to the man. Right. Of right? Course. No, mind you, that's also the person he knows, but still. Like, defers to the man. Uh, the... Male cop tells her that they released that man, Mm -hmm. the naked man, that he's harmless and, you know, he can understand why he scared her, but, like, there's no reason. He definitely wasn't stalking her. Like, she was being ridiculous in that regard. Right. And that there was nothing to worry about and she should just go home and enjoy the rest of her vacation. Mm -hmm. Uh, At which point, she does go home. And calls her friend. Mm -hmm. And at this point, she's explaining that she met a little boy who called her a stupid bitch. Mm -hmm. Little boy with the weirdest face on the planet, calling her a stupid bitch. Uh, A vicar who was generally a creep and told her that she was to blame for her husband's death. Yep. And then a cop who basically called her crazy and told her that they had released this man who had been harassing her. Right. So again, another weird day. Not great. Yeah, so this is this is finally the point where her friend's like, okay, I'm coming. Yes, Riley insists. She's like, I'm coming up there. I will be there. She's like, it's good. It takes, what, three hours? <laughs> that's true. Actually, that's that's kind of a cute little moment where, like, uh, she says, what, does it take three hours? And Harper goes, no, it takes four. And Riley's like, I'll be there in three. Like, she is coming. And, of course, this is the por- por- point where... Port? This is the port. <laughs> this is the port. We have left land into the sea of fucking crazy. Here we are. Here we are. It's the color of the walls, folks. Port. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the point, though, where her phone starts going crazy. And she's losing signal. She's losing signal. She's trying to give her the address. This is one thing, by the way. Uh Uh-huh. And it happened at the very beginning, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's start at the very beginning then. So let's just, let's just start at the beginning again. Yes, shall we? It's a very okay. good place to start. Perfect. Um, <laughs> don't worry, when I get to the end, I'll stop. Okay. <laughs> um, it, the first time that she ends up calling Riley, there's a moment when the signal starts to go a little crazy. Mm-hmm. And in that, mm-hmm. there is an image of someone screaming. Yes. For a, bl- a quick second. Mm-hmm. And it happens again when right. the when the signal's going out this time. Mm-hmm. Um, looks a little bit different. Can't really tell who it is. Just a person screaming. Right. It doesn't seem to be... I don't think it's Riley. Mm-mm. I think it might be... Jeff Harper? Yeah. I think it. I think it might be Harper, but mm-hmm. I can't... You really can't tell because it's a really, really, really quick second. Mm. But um, it looks like it's a woman. I don't know. Mm. 
I, I what I would like to do at some point is pause it and just try to see. Right. Yeah. Um, but I just like that they threw that in there. I don't I don't know what it has to really do with the plot of the movie at all, but I just like the visuals. I mean, we love a subliminal message. Yeah. Exactly. We love a subliminal. I mean, this is you know. We love we love the demon face and the exorcist. Yeah, we yes. love a little flash of and you're just like, ooh, what was that? <laughs> That's not supposed to be there. <laughs> That's not supposed to be there. That's not how iPhones work. No, no. So, um, so you know they're they're having this conversation. The signal keeps failing. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> Riley's finally like, just text me the address. Yes, yeah, text it to me. <laughs> Fuck. And then so she shares her location, mm-hmm. and the response she gets is, "I know where you are. I already know where you are." You, it, you, you, you stupid, stupid bitch. bitch. Right. Which is exactly what the boy had called her. Yes. So now she's very confused. Like, has someone cloned Riley's phone? And she looks outside and there is the police officer. Mm-hmm. Which is handy, right? She's like, oh, weird shit is happening. Let me go talk to the police officer. And she, like, goes out there and she's like, oh, why are you here? Is is he back? Like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Weird shit is happening. Is there something? And he's not talking. Nope. Not saying a fucking word. Just standing there, Mm -hmm. motionless, underneath the apple tree. Mm -hmm. Anyone else but me? Sorry. Um, (laughs) And she's getting more and more frustrated because he's not answering her. And she's like, why aren't you responding to me? Mm -hmm. And then the lights go out. This is an extremely effective device that they do use. The lights going off and on. Oh, yeah. It is used to... I mean... They didn't. They certainly didn't invent it by any stretch of the imagination, Not but they they use that device very effectively. Mm-hmm. So lights go off, come back, he's gone, mm-hmm. and so she like kind of looks around, like, did he just move real fast? Was I imagining that? And then all at once. All of the apples far from fall from the tree. Yep. But not very far because this movie smacks you in the face with its symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> Not fallen far from the tree at all. Not at all. <laughs> um, so she's standing there kind of like, what What the fuck? And then the single scariest moment in this entire movie, for me personally, because mm-hmm. this is like an actual fear of mine. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't actually have a ton of like fears that are usually specifically illustrated in horror movies, especially the type of horror movies that I like to watch the most, which tend to be supernatural, right? right. And I'm not really all that scared of supernatural things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, however, here, she's standing there in her front yard or in the front yard of this house, having seen this man just disappear. So she's either hallucinating or this guy's being weird and sneaky. Either way. Either way, not okay. Either way, not a great day. And you see the point of view of some of something moving very quickly toward her. Mm -hmm. And when the shot reverses, it's one of the beer bums from the bar Mm -hmm. running full speed at her from out of the darkness. And can I tell you as a woman, that image of like, I mean, not that specific image, obviously, but that image of like a man running aggressively towards you, pretty much every time I, I pass a man like at night on the street, I like just take a quick little glance back to make sure he's not has not like about faced and is now running towards me because right. that's like my biggest fear because like I know I could not run him right like it's never happened but <laughs> but know. still but still it like legitimately when we were watching this movie the other night 
I made Sean walk me into my car afterwards because, like, <laughs> and I don't usually get scared by horror movies, but that scared me. I, I will say, though, I have to agree, like, that that scene itself is truly fucking creepy. Well, I mean, I think for anybody, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a 61-inch tall woman, but, like, I think for anybody, like, a six-foot-tall man barreling towards you is probably not going to be a great right. time. Like, I'm pretty sure that would scare anyone. Um, but I'm not a woman, so I also, like, I get, I get not getting it. You know? You know what I'm saying? Nope. <laughs> you, I, look, I don't get it. <laughs> what? No, I'm serious. I'm sorry. I'm seriously confused. What do you mean? <laughs> Just because, like, I don't necessarily have the fear of men in general oh. that you have. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if that was, if that was happening to you it would be scary but it's not like it's in the back of your head that it's going to happen to you yes exactly exactly yeah sure um so she runs in and she slams the door and she's like what the fuck why are you doing this and he's like banging on the door and so she goes to the kitchen she grabs a knife and she hears banging against the window Mm -hmm. so she is hiding behind the kitchen island and then the window breaks mm-hmm. and a stool falls over. Yes. And so then she's even more freaked out. She runs back to the sort of like hall of the house, trying to decide if she should run out of the house or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's got the knife because now she hears the front door rattling again. And it turns out to be Joffrey. Right. Who, of course, has free entry to the house. He owns it. Right. So he just opens the door with a key. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I was walking home from the pub and I heard you screaming. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, there's someone in here. Big problems. I don't know what's going on, but bad things are happening. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'll investigate. And he, you know, walks into the kitchen and he finds a crow. Yes. Who has flown through the window and knocked over the stool. Mm-hmm. Ostensibly. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, and he ends up, uh, Oh, and the crow is, like, severely injured. Mm-hmm. So Joffrey just breaks its neck to put it out of his misery. Right. Right. And then he's sort of talking to her, and he's like, she's like, no, that wasn't it. There was a man here. And he's like, no, I believe you. Like, this this keeps happening. Like, somebody is, is doing something very cruel to you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go find him. And she's like, no, do not go out there, please. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to go find him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an end to this, right? Mm-hmm. And then as he's walking out the door... Which I think is like this is again the sort of the sort of um, crux of the theme of the entire film, right? Mm-hmm. As he's walking out the door, he turns around and he says, "My father used to tell me I had all the characteristics of a failed military man." Started saying it when I was seven years old. It's time to prove him wrong, and walks out the door, mm-hmm. and then promptly disappears, right? Because the lights go off, and now he's gone again, right? Where's gone again? He's gone again. Um, so she's like, fuck, now what? Right? Like, so she goes back into the house because she hears, I don't know, I'm sorry. She doesn't go back in the house. So she walks out after him mm-hmm. and then he disappears and she's like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. At which point the now almost fully leafed, uh-huh. almost. almost, he does become more leafed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gets a little extra leafy soon. Gets kind of leafy. Mm-hmm. A little green. Um, but this naked man who has been 
stalking her and who who is still naked, amazingly, mm-hmm. and is now sprouting, which would be alarming, and bloody, because he's been cutting himself, is, like, walking very slowly toward her. Which is still not as scary as somebody running toward you. <laughs> like, I know that in all the horror movies, like, it's it's sort of a uh, shorthand for how sort of um, insane someone is when they're just walking slowly, like Michael Myers, right? When right. they're just walking toward you, because, like, they're like, I don't need to run because you can't get away, right? But in the reality of your mind, the running is much scarier. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, much scarier. Mm-hmm. So... And he blows dandelion seeds in her face. Yes. And there's a lot of, and I mean, I guess maybe it's just another reference to fertility, but like, mm-hmm. is there another layer of the dandelion seeds that I'm maybe missing? I don't, I don't think so on like dandelion seeds specifically. I think it's just another. Just another plant. Yeah. Just another. Because it's. Aspect of fertility. It's one of the first things you see at the opening of the film. Yes. Right? Like, you see mm-hmm. the raindrops. Mm-hmm. You see her look out the window mm-hmm. uh, and see the husband fall fall mm-hmm. past the window. And then you see um, dandelion seeds being blown. Well, and it's... and I guess it's also just sort of like being unmoored, right? Because, like, the dandelion seeds just sort of... They get blown off their stem and then they're just kind of at the mercy of the wind. Right. Well, in, in the opening, it's the dandelion seeds are getting blown off of the dandelion. Mm-hmm. The end of the movie, the, the dandelion seeds are coming back to the dandelion. That is true. They come back and, and they do sort of, at the end, they kind of do make it like once it's back fully formed, they sort of, it's clearly like supposed to be um, like an ovum, right? Like yes. it's it's supposed to look like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing we should mention, because I don't think we did, when she is in the church and she is sort of reliving the memory of her husband's death, she, her husband's body is shown as she found him when she ran downstairs to look for him. Mm -hmm. And he fell onto um, a metal fence that has like spikes on it. So there's, you know, a, a spike driven through the sort of palm and wrist of his hand. Yes. Which is... Clearly a crucifixion oh, illusion, right? right. Um, and like his his legs are all sort of broken and bent. And that I, that's important to mention because it comes into play at the climax of the film. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy blows dandelion, uh, dandelion seeds in her face. The naked green guy mm-hmm. blows dandelion seeds in her face. And it kind of like puts her in a trance almost. Mm-hmm. And so she continues to walk away from him and gets herself back into the house and locks the door. But he reaches through the mail slot. Yes. And she's in such a daze that she actually like reaches for his hand. Mm-hmm. But then he grabs her very violently and it snaps her out of it. Right. Right. Um, and thankfully she has a knife nearby. She does have a knife in her hand. So she just like she does try to she does struggle. Right. Mm-hmm. Try to get out away from him without hurting him. Right. For a minute. And then she finally just takes the knife and drives it right through his forearm. Right. At which point. This is the most disgusting part of the movie. This crazy motherfucker. Uh Uh-huh. Pulls his hand back through. I don't think this would work. But back through. Oh, no, no, no. I I think that the knife would break before the arm did that. Well, and there's, there's too many bones. 
Right. Like, I think it would get caught on bone yeah. and, and the knife would yeah. not have the sort of tensile strength to go right. through. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, if you were a human, which, of course, he's not, right? right? Like, But if you were human, you would pass out. Oh, yeah. By either, like, you know, blood loss or pain right. before you ever got to the point. But he just, he pulls his, he, he pulls his arm straight back out through the mail slot and it just slices his arm in two, right down through his hand and everything. Anything happening to hands gets me. Well, and... Because it's just, oh. there are so many nerves in your hands. Like, it would be so crazy painful. Oh, like, yeah. think of, like, when you, like, even close your finger in a door, how yeah. much that hurts. Like, mm-hmm. anything happening to hands in any movie. Like, I think in one of the... So stupid. Like, one of the Jason movies, they, they like, impale a hand with a corkscrew and, like, of any, oh, yeah. of any like, act of violence in a whole Jason movie in all mm-hmm. 20 fucking movies. I'm like, that's the one that gets me where I'm just like, <laughs> ah! Every time. I remember because that was Jason 4. <laughs> and we talked about we it. Talked about we it. talked about <laughs> it. Yes, we did. No, it's like the corkscrew, man. The fucking corkscrew. It's so dull and the, the amount of force you would need... Yeah, no, thank you. Put it through someone's hand. And I have to say, and I don't know if it was just like experiencing. So I did see this movie in theaters, mm-hmm, and then also mm-hmm. I've now rewatched it at home. Right. The CGI was better in theaters. I mean, that's that makes sense. But that's it's fair. a bigger, it's a bigger screen. There's more detail that you would see. Like it's just, it's interesting that like, and I'm not even saying with the kid, mm-hmm. but like with because the kid was just the kid was bad. Yeah, the kid was just certified bad. <laughs> But, like, with the hand, it looked so real. Well, I mean, it didn't... It doesn't look terrible. It doesn't. Like, on, on the small screen, either. No, it just... I, I mean, I didn't see it in the theater, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, I can tell that it's CGI more. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I do have to say is that when he's pulling his hand back through... Like, the thing that got me the most is when he's pulling his hand through and, like, his um his palm, like, the way that his palm moves with the knife mm-hmm. was just... Next level disgusting. Right, you're just like, <laughs> like such an effective, gruesome visual. Yeah. Ugh. So Ugh. she's just kind of staring at the door slot after that happens. Like, yep. <laughs> what just happened? Uh huh. And she weir- hears this weird squeaking noise. Yes. And the next thing you see is that dead crow mm-hmm. wearing the exaggerated plastic Marilyn Monroe mask that the child she met in the churchyard had been wearing when she walked up. Right. And he's sort of like, he's kind of moving the bird up and down so that it looks like, it almost looks like it's like hula dancing or something, right? right? And like the sort of, the mask is scraping against, which like, brilliant. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's such a great sort of like audio effect and it's like who thought of that right right? like so she walks into the kitchen to find the child with a bifurcated hand yep and she's like oh shit it was him yeah right but then she was and but then she's like wait no it wasn't right like and he says something weird to her and she's like i'm gonna stab you and he's like no you're not and he's like it's time to play hide and seek and starts walking toward her and this is the part where you can see by his height that he's supposed to be not just a child, but a young child, like yes. prepubescent, mm-hmm. which makes his face all the more ridiculous. And uh, she does manage to sort of like get away from him, right? And she locks herself in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. At which point the vicar walks in, who is the last possible person she wants to see, because he is 
I think the creepiest. Notwithstanding the like bar guy running toward her, like in every other way, he is the creepiest. Well, because I think that's what happened. So they were playing hide and seek. Mm-hmm. They're starting to play hide and seek. She counts down. And then the bar guy ends up breaking into the house. Oh, that's right. The bar guy returns. Yes. Yeah. There's, and then, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. <laughs> and then she ends up running into the bathroom, which is, yes, when the... When the vicar walks in. Yeah. And again, the only thing that could make this more upsetting is that guy walking in and starting to recite poetry at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> only thing that could make this night worse. Yes. So he starts... Uh, <laughs> The only more, the only thing more upsetting than this man walking in and reciting poetry at you, is him wa- walking in and reciting Yeats' Leda and the Swan, which is in fact about rape. Yep. So, and it's the Swan doing the raping, and he refers to himself as a Swan. Yep. Because she's like, "What are you?" Because like clearly by this point, it's clear that these are not normal people. Right. <laughs> these are not people. Because his hand is also bifurcated. Yep. So somebody got their hand cut, right? She's having a little bit of a like Spartacus issue of like not knowing who's who because they all fucking have their hands fucked up. But yeah, so he's being generally, he's being generally extremely creepy. And continues to recite poetry. Next thing he does is uh, Daniel's Ulysses and the Sirens. Uh, which we quoted at the top of the show. And uh, gets down on his knees and like pulls at her dress and he's like, oh, what is this? Like just that stupid, like, I don't know. I feel like there's a straight guy obsession with like, you know, female genitalia that it's like somehow mystical and it's like, nope, just a body part actually. <laughs> just just a body part. Um, and she threatens him with a knife, right? Mm-hmm. And he kind of backs off for a second, but then he comes back <laughs> and grabs her neck with his bifurcated hand, yep. <laughs> which is both hilarious and gross. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just, just one like, half on each side. Just one half on each side. So it's a nice little, nice little split. <laughs> and it's like, I don't think you'd have any control over that hand no. at this point, and you'd probably be dead from blood loss. But also, don't think you'd have any control. But he, he's got her, and he's got her sort of in his grip with the other hand, right? Like, so the, the hand, like, I think the hand on her neck, honestly, was more of, like, a like a harassment, right? Like, right. not, he couldn't actually, he wasn't hurting her with that hand because right. it wasn't strong enough. He had her with the other hand. Yep. But it was just, like, I'm going to gross you out by putting my, like, gross little, now a, like, lobster claw thing up here. <laughs> and, uh... Pushes her back against the counter, is clearly about to sexually assault her. When she kind of wakes up and is like, oh, right, I have a fucking knife and stabs him. Yep. And then kicks him to the ground and runs away. And if this is where, if things have not already escalated quickly, they begin (laughs) to escalate very quickly. And this is perhaps the the most talked about portion of this film because Mm -hmm. no one knows what the fuck they were thinking. Okay. So, so she stabs the guy. She runs away. Yep. And then she promptly gets into her car to drive away. Which is the smart thing to do. Yes, absolutely. And then immediately hits Joffrey. Just <laughs> right away. Turns the corner. There he is. Less than 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Where he immediately, again, mistitles her. He does. 
But this time very purposely. Yes. Right? Where, like, so she hits him with the car, and he stands up looking pissed. Which, in fairness, would be understandable. Yeah. If he were normal, right? Like, why'd you just hit me with your car? Um... He rips open the door, says, Miss Marlowe, mm-hmm. then drags her out of the car by her hair, mm-hmm. throws her to the ground and says, Mrs. Marlowe. Mm-hmm. And then he steals her car. Yep. <laughs> like, does nothing to her other than that. That's it. Gets in the car and drives away. Which is scary in that she is now effectively stranded. Right. Right. Like, she's now, mm-hmm. like, she can't get... Away, away. Right. Because she no longer has her vehicle. Which is when he then ends up turning around. Yes. And and starts barreling towards her. Right. Yeah, there's like this moment where like the sky is really pretty Mm -hmm. and she's kind of just sort of lost and dazed for a minute. And then suddenly the car is coming back. Mm -hmm. And it's like the, the, it cuts to a like... It cuts to a pretty close shot of mm. Joffrey just, like, screaming in the driver's seat, yes. which is terrifying because he's all bloody. Um, and he's, like, clearly gone insane. And so she runs away. She runs back toward the house. Mm-hmm. And he crashes her car. Yes. Into, like, one of the, you know, into, like, the there's, like, a brick wall in front of the, mm-hmm. you know, into the gate, essentially. And she's, like, again, just... I mean, Jesse Buckley does a great what the fuck is going on face. Oh, yeah. Um, but then the green man shows up again. Mm-hmm. And now he is like fully Jolly Green Giant. I mean, just leafy from head to toe. Yeah. And he's he's sort of burgeoning. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, what's going on? And then he, he births the child version. Mm-hmm. Out of his ass, essentially. Mm-hmm. Who then crawls toward her. All bloody, of course, like a newborn would be. Mm-hmm. Stands up. Wails at her like a newborn. Mm-hmm. And then his stomach splits open. Because he, he also begins to swell. Mm-hmm. His stomach splits splits open, and I believe the vicar comes out of him? Yep, the vicar comes out of him. The vicar comes out of him. Who then also starts crawling towards her. Mm -hmm. And at this point, really at this point, it's like she's just given up, right? Like, she's just kind of watching it happen. Like, she's not even trying to run away. She's just sort of like, this is interesting. Yeah. (laughs) What's What's, what's going on here? What's happening? I'm just going to play this one out. Mm Mm-hmm. The vicar manages to get make it at least into the house mm-hmm. before his <clears throat> swelling mm-hmm. ends up with his back splitting. Yes. And Joffrey crawling out of him. Mm-hmm. Joffrey stumbles, stumbles around the hallway of the house, right? All like willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. And it's willy's nilly. Willy's <laughs> nilly. <laughs> Which I think was probably a fun, because that part, like, I think that Joffrey crawling around in the house was actually the actor, right? So I think that that 
was probably really like fun to shoot. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was just like, <laughs> well, right, because his leg was broken. Yes. Okay. Yes, and that's why. Yep. yep. This is why I mentioned her husband's injuries because. By now, with all the various things that she has done to these men, and they are all a result of things that she did to them. Yes. They now have injuries reminiscent of her husband's when he died. Mm-hmm. But, if, I mean, if you're thinking about it, too, it's like... There are things that she did to him, but it's in reaction of what he's doing to her. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. Exactly. It is 100%. Every single thing was in... Total self-defense. Yes. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. the first man was clearly trying to hurt her. Mm -hmm. He would not let her go. The the second man was, you know, running toward her and tormenting her. Mm -hmm. The third man was moments away from raping her. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth man was trying to run her down with a car. Right. Right? So, like, it it was, you know, 100% in Mm self-defense. But they do have the injuries that were technically inflicted by her. Right. That her husband had. Yes. At which point, of course, once she sort of makes that realization, her husband is birthed feet first. Uh-huh. Who was it? Was it Caesar who was supposed to come feet No, he was a cesarean section. Oh, I don't know. There's symbolism in the feet first because some sort of, like, religious figure or something. Mm-hmm was born feet first. And that was like a thing, that he was born feet first. Am I wrong? I might be wrong. I could have made it up. (laughs) Could have made it up. It's okay, you're right about the pomegranate. And the... (laughs) And the grenadine, so... (laughs) But I feel... I do feel like it was a choice that... It was interesting that... He was born feet first and none of the others were. Right. Right. And as soon as Harper sees her husband, she's like, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> fine. And she like goes over to the hearth and she picks up an axe that has been sort of prominently displayed there the entire film. In yep. fact, Riley actually points, points it, it out, out from the phone, mm-hmm. right? Like from the FaceTime. It's yeah. like, I'm going to take that axe behind you and chop his nuts off. And she's right. like, what axe? She's like, it's right there behind you. She has the axe and she sits down with her husband on the couch. And he's like, well, I fell from the balcony. I've got... You know, a spike went through my hand. My ankle snapped. Look at what you did to my body, essentially. Right. And she says, what do you want from me? And he says, your love. And she's like, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The next scene we see, and it cuts to black, right? Mm -hmm. The next thing we see is... Uh, Riley driving up, mm-hmm. seeing the wrecked car, right? Seeing the trail of blood into the house, mm-hmm. which implies that it happened, right? Right, Because now someone else is seeing it. Mm-hmm. And you see Harper mm-hmm. in sort of standing on, or no, not standing, sitting on those steps, right. like the side steps or like over here somewhere, right? Yeah. And they make eye contact and Harper smiles at her. Mm-hmm. And in my head, when that happened, I was like, they're going to end it right fucking here. And then it was like, meh. Yep. And I was like, yep. <laughs> so I have two questions for you. Uh-huh. Was Harper alive? Or did she use that axe on herself? 
Oh. And you think that she, that was her... Her blood. Oh. I... I don't know. Because that's the thing is, it's so it, there's so many different... Like, you can interpret it in so many different ways. You can. Um, like, my interpretation of... Like, because I... I, I <laughs> it took a little bit to get past the visuals of what was happening, of mm-hmm. all of them being birthed. But, like, I'm going to jump back to, like, how I was saying that, like, they're an aspect of him. Yes, they're all an aspect of him. And I will also say that I absolutely got the birthing, like, the symbolism of the birthing of, like, violence begets violence. Toxic masculinity is passed down through the generations, right? Like, I did get that. Well, and, and like, it's... these these are all aspects of him. They're it's in reverse order. So it's like he died. Now he's coming back. Mm-hmm. So here are all of these aspects of him that's creating him again. Right. That's like distilling yeah. down sort of. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know. But if that's the case, if she it, is alive, whose blood is it? Right. Because that's the thing is it's drag marks. Mm-hmm. So is, I mean, maybe, is did she just kill Joffrey? That was kind of what my thought process was Like, was, was too. Joffrey the only one who was real? Right. And she just went insane and killed him? Mm-hmm. Because she was, like, so, you know, driven to madness by just the, you know, the way that she had been sort of abused by men in various ways. Mm-hmm. And so, and Joffrey was just the one that was there, so she killed him? That was that was the first thought that I had. Mm-hmm. Was so that the blood was Joffrey's. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was hers. Okay. Because she was her. She herself. Yes, she was bloody. Mm-hmm. But like, it didn't look like she was injured. Right. I'm saying that like once after it cuts to black when she's talking to her husband, did she use the axe on herself? And then we see her ghost. Oh. In the courtyard, afterwards, and that was just sort of a. The eye contact with her friend was sort of from beyond of her saying sort of like, I'm okay now, kind right. of, like her torment has ended. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I like, I like the she just killed, she just like went nuts and killed Joffrey theory. The, the, her, like, killing herself at the end is an interesting theory though too. I had not thought of that. Well, it's just like, it's how much of it is real. And when I say real, like a supernatural entity, right? Right. Versus what's a hallucination? Mm -hmm. And is it all in her head? Right. Um, Second question, maybe more straightforward. Do you think her husband actually killed himself? Or do you think he slipped? It's hard to say. Okay, so like here's the because thing. Because I have a, I have a pretty strong opinion about what I think it was, but I'll let you talk first. I I think that the way that his face was when he was falling mm-hmm. to me seemed like he slipped. I think he slipped. Yeah. I think he absolutely I think the suicide threat was a manipulation. Oh, absolutely. I don't think that he was going to ever kill himself. Right. But, again, the most dangerous place for a person in an abusive Mm -hmm. relationship is the doorway, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when you're going out the door. 
I think that he was trying to get back into that apartment. And if he was planning to t- kill himself, he was going to take her with him. Yeah. And I think he slipped. And you're right. He is. He doesn't. He doesn't. He looks surprised. Yeah, he looks shocked. He, he looks shocked. Like, it's it's very much like, oh, no, I'm falling. Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, I, I'm doing this. Like, I have purpose here. Kind right. of. Right. Like, and so I absolutely think that he didn't actually kill himself. Yeah. And that he only died because he was trying to hurt her. Yep. Okay. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think that. I, I don't think that was purposeful. Well, because I feel like in everything I read about it, the fact that it was a suicide was just taken as was just taken as like, oh, of course it was. Right. And I'm like, what about this? Like, and and the way he chose to end it was to you know, shove his way into the apartment upstairs. Like, that was a man in a violent rage. Like, right? right? Like, and he was trying to get back into the apartment to get at her. Yes. Right? And I mean, I kind of get it because he did have this sort of, like, very sort of pathetic, sad, Mm Eeyore-like type of demeanor when she shoved him out. But that was just another manipulation, right? He was just trying everything. He was like, okay, anger didn't work. Mm-hmm. Violence didn't work. Maybe sadness will work. Oh, that didn't work. So we're going back to violence. Yeah. And then he's on a spike. <laughs> yeah, I totally. I do not think that he. Yeah. I do not think that was a suicide. No, I think. It's I think too, it was an accident. Yeah, it's it's too convenient. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, he died in a way where it could be mistaken for suicide. Right. That's the other thing. It's yeah. like, uh, of course, he died in such a way. That there is a question right. as right. to, like, who's to quote-unquote blame, yes. right? Even though, yeah. let's be clear, even if he had killed himself, it wasn't her fault. No, no, but no. But no. where, like, people could sort of take that opening of, like, well, I mean, maybe if you had done something different, right. maybe he wouldn't have died. Right, whereas, you know, if it had been straightforward, mm-hmm. like, he was coming at her with a knife and she pushed him out the window, which is actually... Right what I thought the actual answer was. Until she explained it, I thought right. that it was that she actually did do something physically to cause his to death. Him. Yeah. Um, but again, if he was coming at her in a knife and she, like, you know, defended herself, that would be much more cut and dried, right? Yes, exactly. Whereas, like, you know, here it's like, well, you don't actually know that he was mm-hmm. going to hurt you. Like, he had never hit you before. He only hit you once. Like, mm-hmm. men do hit women sometimes. It's not a capital offense, right? Like, yeah, it was it was a brilliant sort of to leave that question open. But in my opinion and interpretation and just like how relationships like that tend to go, mm-hmm. I don't think he killed himself. No. I think he was coming after her and he fell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. So that is it for men. Uh, join us next week when we will be reviewing They Them. Yes. A new queer horror flick on Peacock. Yep. Starring Peacock. Kevin Bacon, I believe. Kevin Bacon. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Looking forward to watching that. Yeah, absolutely. That should be premiering, I believe, today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. As of when this recording posts. Well, actually post, yes. Yeah. When you're listening to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, until then, like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. 
uh, welcome to you're welcome to follow us on Spotify. We have our Instagram, F and Frights Podcast, and our Twitter, F and Frights Pod. Mm-hmm. We have our Facebook page, Friday Night Frights, and our website, F and And then, of course, if you have any you know thoughts, feelings, emotions, anything like that, you're welcome to scream them at us huh. at scream at F and And then, of course, we do have our YouTube page as well. If you mm-hmm. look us up by. Uh, searching for Friday Night Frights podcast. Mm -hmm. We will pop right up on there. And last but not least, there is our Fright Club, our Patreon. Mm -hmm. Our Patreon, our Fright Club. (laughs) It's a Fright Club. It's a Patreon. It's both. It's both. Mm -hmm. And Katie. Yes, Sean. What is the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is if you've just been through a traumatic event, loss of a loved one, abusive relationship bodily or mental harm in any way shape or form and you have the urge to go isolate yourself in some far off ancient home i'm gonna advise you don't do that because that shit's haunted i guarantee it every goddamn time Mm -hmm. that shit's haunted Mm -hmm. every time just don't do it you know what you should do drink (laughs) (laughs) go out with your friends have a good time. Maybe seek professional help. Yes. Really anything but going to a haunted house in the country. Yeah, not a good time. Not going to work out well for you. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Bad idea. Bad vibes. Nope, you're going to see men birthing other men. <laughs> and really, who the fuck wants to see that? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, gays and ghouls, join us next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. But until then, sleep tight. <laughs>